Well, here we are again, day two of New Day. Well, kind of day three, day two of 12 to 14s. And uh, we're going to be carrying on this morning looking at the story of Jonah. Yesterday, we looked at this story of Jonah in chapter one, where he's a guy who's called by God and runs in the total opposite direction, thinks I've got a better idea, I know better than God, and so I'm going to head off in a different direction. And we saw that God followed him because God loves him. God cares for him. God wants him. We saw that actually as Jonah realized that he'd run from God and he needed to stop, he encountered peace. And that's that's what happened to many of us yesterday morning. Many responded to the call to stop running. So we're going to pick the story up today. And we pick the story up with Jonah floating in the ocean. He's been thrown overboard. The storm has stopped. And now he's just kind of bopping around in the water, kind of what is next? What is going to happen? And what we see is that God executes a kind of deep sea rescue. He kind of, you know, you kind of imagine in the films, you know, there's like a helicopter that comes over. There's kind of lifeguards that come in there, super cool boat over the waves to rescue. No, that's not what God does. Instead, God, of course, to rescue Jonah, sends a big fish. This big fish comes and it swallows Jonah up. And Jonah sits in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights, which is obviously the next thing that's going to happen in this story. It's very clear. Jonah finds himself swallowed by this fish, and we see that he's trapped inside the fish's belly. Now, I wonder here, has anyone ever experienced a moment of where you have been trapped? When I think of being trapped, do you know where I go to? I think of roller coasters. Who likes roller coasters? Okay, most people. Who here doesn't like roller coasters? Yeah, my people, I am with you. I hate them. You know that moment when the kind of safety thing comes on and you realize you're trapped? You try to, and it won't move, it doesn't budge. And it would be terrifying if it did budge, wouldn't it, at that point, about to go on a roller coaster, but it doesn't budge. I've never been a fan of roller coasters. And let me explain to you why. Actually, there's many reasons. The main one is because I'm just a wimp and I'm scared. But let me tell you this story. I went to Thorpe Park. Anyone been to Thorpe Park? Lots of us, and I'm sure you enjoyed it far more than I did. Uh, I went to Fort Park, this was quite a few years ago with some friends, and I am not a roller coaster person. I hate them. I just think, I don't understand why anyone would put their life at risk in that way. It's terrifying, kind of the up and down. I feel sick, I'm scared. I just call for my mum, it's very embarrassing. And so I've gone with my friends, I was probably about 25, so it's not like I'm young at this point. I'm, an, I'm a man by this stage. And so my friends are all going on whatever those rides are, you know, the one that kind of like, like a rocket up and then straight down. And I'm kind of the bag boy looking after everyone's bags, feeling sorry for myself. And I'm with a friend who, like me, doesn't like roller coasters. And as the day goes on, we're getting sadder and sadder. The bags, everyone's having all this fun. And so we think, come on, we need to step up. This is our moment to overcome. And we find a ride called X No Way Out. Anyone heard of this ride? Here's a picture. There it is. It looks weird like that, doesn't it? It looks like some kind of weird temple that you're going to. This is, this is what it's known as on the website, Europe's only backwards roller coaster in the dark. Can I get it? Come on. For a guy who's terrified of roller coasters, this is a big step. But here's the secret. 
I'd actually been on this ride a few years earlier. I'd gone when I was about 18. I was easily led by peer pressure at that point, and my friends had forced me onto this ride, queuing up terrified, literally like almost hyperventilating as I'm in this queue. <sighs> I'm about to go on this ride. And then I see like a six-year-old in the queue, and I'm thinking, if they can do this ride, so can I. You'll be all right, Martin. So I go on this ride first time round, and it starts. So you sit in this thing. The thing goes in. You're trapped. There's no way out. That's why it's called X No Way Out. And then they're like, three, two, one. And it shoots you backwards. And then honestly, within two seconds, it stops. You're like, oh. And then it shoots you backwards a bit more, and then it stops. And I'm like, this is the best roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. Everyone else is like, boring. Then I'm like, woo, this is so fun. Fast forward a few years later, I've gone with my friends, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, Mr. Confident. Guys, let's go on this ride. This ride's X No Way Out. It's the only roller coaster in Europe that's backwards in the dark. Are you ready? It's going to be amazing. I think you're going to be terrified knowing it's a rubbish ride. So we queue up. I'm super confident. I'm not scared. I'm ready for this bad boy. We get to the front. The thing comes down, locks you in. I'm trapped. I'm thinking, this is fine. I'm ready to go. And then this roller coaster shoots off at like rocket speed. We're literally flailing. I'm like, ah! Roller coasters for Amory Mount, and then probably about a minute in, it just stops. And I'm sitting there next to my friend who'd also been on X No Way Out before, knew it was a rubbish ride, who was scared of roller coasters. We're both super confident, and it stops, and we look at each other, and we're both like, This isn't the ride I remember! And then it shoots off again. It stops, the thing comes off. I get off of that roller coaster, I have to lie down for about an hour, like crying in the corner. It was terrifying. Now, Jonah has an experience really not like that, apart from the fact he was trapped. He's trapped in the belly of the fish. And let's see, what does Jonah do? Does he scream like Martin, or does he respond in a different way? Let's listen to today's scripture reading. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. So the story starts, this part of the story, with Jonah floating in the sea. And it ends with Jonah being vomited out by a fish. But what happens in between? And what we see in this chapter is that Jonah prays a prayer while he's in the fish in the belly of the fish. And this prayer really is focused on two things. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Is that Jonah's prayer is focused on that he gets the bad news, but he also sees the good news. And that's what we're going to explore together. So we see Jonah gets the bad news. I love the way that starts in verse 17 of chapter 1. And it says, from inside the belly of the fish, Jonah prays to the Lord. 
What a helpless situation he finds himself in. Now, I've never experienced being inside the belly of a fish, and I really pray that that's not going to be part of my life story. I really hope there's never a day where I'm in the belly of the fish, and I can say, oh, now I know what Jonah felt like. But just try and imagine for a second what it may be like. Does anyone like the smell of fish here? Well, there's a few of you. Wow. One of the worst things to do is to walk past a fishmonger's. You know, like kind of, if you've ever been to the beach and there's like that kind of fish market, I'm genuinely like, trying to walk as fast as I can past them. The smell of a fish is pretty horrific. So Jonah is finding himself cocooned in somewhere that isn't going to be smelling very good. Secondly, it's not going to be very comfortable. Again, I've never been in the belly of a fish, but I can't imagine there's like kind of, you know, comfy chairs or sofas or like a little quiet space to go to. He just bobbing, how much water's in there? Is he like kind of floating above? Is he able, like, you just, I don't know what it is, but I could imagine it's very uncomfortable. And then what else is in there? If that fish is able to swallow Jonah whole and him just sit in there happily, what else is floating around in that water? Be on edge all the time. Like, what was that? It's a shark. No, it's not a shark. It's okay. It doesn't sound like a very enjoyable experience. Jonah starts praying with a reality of he is in a helpless situation. He's trapped in this fish's belly with no way out. And so that's where we see he starts. And then he says, it says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Not only did Jonah realize he was helpless, but he also realized that he was in big trouble. That word distress is a serious word. That's him saying, look, I am feeling extreme sorrow. I'm feeling extreme anxiety. I'm feeling extreme pain. Jonah realizes he's in big trouble. He's been trapped in this thing. When I was younger, when I was in year six, any year six in the room? me? (laughs) You're allowed in, don't worry, you won't get in trouble for being here. When I was in year six, I used to love playing this game when I walked to school. Um, This is not a recommendation to play this game, this is just a game I used to play when I was younger. It was called Knock Down Ginger. Now, that doesn't mean we used to run around and knock down ginger people. I don't actually know why it was called Knock Down Ginger. It was basically, you'd go up to someone's house, you'd knock on the door and you'd run away, and the goal was to get as far away from the house as possible before they opened the door. Anyone played that game? Shame on you. Not really. I played that game. Stop playing that game. That's what the Lord would say this morning. So I'm playing this game every morning walking to school. And you know when you're, when you're that age, no offense to your sixes, but you're not the smartest. So you don't really think through the consequences of stuff. So I would knock on the same doors every day on the way to school and run away. <laughs> Running away. One day I knocked on this door before I could run. The lady obviously knew. He leaves, like the door is always knocked on at this same time of the day. She's clearly poised there. I knocked on the door. Open the door and grab me by the collar. And these were the words she said to me. I'm calling your mum. She knew my mum. What are the odds on that? I didn't, I didn't even know this lady. And she's like, I'm called. she goes, gets her phone. Obviously, in those days, it's like a landline attached to whatever. She rings my mum and I'm there, this lady holding on to me. I knew at that moment I was in some big trouble. You know, I'm going to be sent home to my mum. Yes, I've finally been allowed to walk to school on my own. That's like the big deal in year six, isn't it? And that is how I've spent my time. Jonah has this kind of moment. He knows he's in big trouble. In his distress, he's crying out to God, God, I realize this is a serious situation I find myself in. He realizes that he is in big trouble, but we also see that he realizes he's to blame. Even in his prayer, he's saying, God, when you sent those waves, when you brought these storms and these seas, that isn't like accusatory of like, God, I'm in this situation because of you. He's saying, he's realizing that, God, I am here because of the choices that I've made. Because of, as we looked at yesterday, I chose to run from you. This is where it's landed me. 
I find myself trapped in this situation. I'm in big trouble. I'm helpless. And I'm to blame. And similar, as that lady was ringing my mum after I'd knocked on her door, I knew I was to blame. There's no way I could blame anyone else in this moment. I tripped, you know, and kind of my head hit the door and, and hit the doorbell. And, you know, I was going to run. I was a bit dazed and concussed and tried to, that just wouldn't work. You knew you were in big trouble. And Jonah here is saying, God, he realises he's getting the bad news of the situation he's in. He's helpless, he's in big trouble, and he is to blame. Then it goes even further. He says in this prayer, I've been driven away from your sight. Now this part, this is going further than just the circumstance he finds himself in. Now although, yeah, he's been swallowed by a fish and he's been kind of, who knows where that fish has gone, plunged down to the depths of the ocean or wherever it's going. It's probably dark, he doesn't know where he is, but this is pointing to just more than the current situation he finds himself in. This is him actually pointing to what the Bible teaches, which Jonah would have been very aware of, which is this, that actually there's something called sin. Sin, as we've heard already over this week, is those things that we think, we say, we do, that we're not proud of, that we know they are wrong, or or to God's perfect standard, they're not going to match up to that. And the Bible tells us that because of those things, we are separated from the perfect God. And so Jonah in this moment is beginning to realize that the situation actually is far worse than he thinks. It's even worse than being stuck in the belly of a fish. It's that he's been driven away from the sight of God. He had the privilege of hearing God's voice and being called by God. And now he's finding himself banished, driven away is what he's saying in this moment. He's realizing the severity of the situation. And then he says that I'm trapped down here forever is the language he's using. He's realizing there's no way out. Just like on X, no way out. When that roller coaster thing comes down, it's too late no matter how hard you shout for the ride to stop. They don't hear you. I can tell you that. I was screaming, stop the ride, let me off. Jonah at that point realizes he's trapped in the belly of this fish and there is no way out for him. He's getting the bad news. And then to top all of those things off, this is the situation Jonah finds himself in. We also see that he starts to realize just how holy and perfect God is. There's a few times in this prayer where he's praying that I pray to your holy temple is a language that he uses. Now that word holy isn't really a word we use today. But what it means is this. Holy means that it's different. It's set apart. It's pure. So when we're talking about God, we're saying that God is different to you and I. When we say he's holy, it's like there's no one that's like him. That No one is like him in his purity, in his perfection, in his goodness, in his power. There's nobody like God. God is different. And Jonah suddenly realized this is the situation. And guys, this is the situation for you and I if we're outside of Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us, that outside of Jesus, this is the same problem. We're not trapped in a fish, in the belly of a fish, but we are trapped in our sin is a language that the Bible would use. So I'm just going to invite my friends Pete and Sandeep up who are going to help me just explain this a little bit more for us. And so what the Bible teaches us is this, that you and I, Pete here represents us, look at him in his beautiful white shirt there. You may have been wondering as, we, as he jumped up on stage during worship, what happened to him backstage? He was already prepared for this moment. What the Bible teaches us is this, that we, before this perfect holy God, this is you and I, Sandeep is representing Christ. He's representing God. You see here, perfection. That's what Sandeep is. I know you're all thinking it as you look at him. But his t-shirt is pristine. There's no stains. Because God is perfect. God is holy. Whereas we know, don't we, you and I, we are not perfect. Let's be honest. Some of us 
We like to put on an act to make people think we are. Even as TJ was speaking last night, some of us, we've come, and our goal is to show that we are the best Christian. We're careful with our words. We're careful with our actions. But actually, we know inside as well. Because, you see, sin isn't just about the things you can see. It's about the thoughts that we have when we judge that person. We think badly of that person. When we look at that person lustfully, when we look at that thing on our phones or on the telly, that's what sin does. And the Bible tells us these things leave us stained before a perfect God. And just like Jonah, we're helpless. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that our very best efforts to try and clean ourselves up only make things worse. And so Pete's realized he's stained, he needs to address this, and so he starts to try and clean himself up. Maybe if I just try to be good, if I try to stop swearing, if I try to stop speaking to my parents in that way, if I just come away from that way of living, if I just stop thinking like that, I'll clean myself up. But the Bible says that's just making it worse. Our best efforts won't clean us. We are helplessly trapped in sin. This is what the Bible says. This is the bad news that Jonah was grasping. This is the bad news that we need to grasp. But not only that, not only are we stained and sinful, but God is perfect and holy. And the Bible says that because of sin, we've been separated from God. So just as Jonah is saying, I've been cast away, driven away from your presence, that's the story of humanity. That from that moment that Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when they chose to do that which God had said not, when they chose to run from God in the opposite direction, God said, I've given you everything. Everything here is for you to enjoy. Take dominion, rule over the animals, enjoy perfect relationship with me. Just don't eat from that tree. Say, thanks God, we're going to go and eat from that tree. From that moment, they were driven away from the presence of God And friends, that's where we're born into. We're born into banishment from God. And no matter how hard we try, we can't clean ourselves up to come back before a holy God. It's serious. But it doesn't stop there. Just as yesterday, we saw that with Jonah, he ran from God, but the story didn't stop with him running. It carried on with God following him. Today we see that Jonah's prayer, he doesn't just get the bad news but he sees the good news. He sees the good news of, yes, God is holy, but God isn't willing to let the story end with us being separated from him. And so just as we saw yesterday, God follows because he cares, we see today as well, there's good news for us. If you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you wouldn't say that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there is good news for you today. If you are here today and you would call yourself a Christian, you would call yourself a Christian, one that has submitted to Christ as Lord and Saviour, this is good news for us every day. That God doesn't leave us trapped in our sin, but he makes a way to free us. There's three things that Jonah prays I think are really important for us to see of this good news of Jesus. The first is this, we have a God who listens. Jonah says, in my distress, I prayed to you and you heard me. Isn't that incredible? That Jonah, who had deliberately and intentionally run away from God, who's put himself into all of these problems, who's in the belly of the fish praying, I don't know what he would be praying in that moment. God is listening. And that's true for you and I. God is a God who listens and a God who hears. He hears your prayers. He hears your worries. He hears your pain. He hears your anxiety. God knows what's going on in your life. 
A few years ago, my wife Catherine was diagnosed with breast cancer. I can remember the moment we found out that news. Remember like the world, the, you know, like a hole in the floor just opening up and me dropping through, not knowing what to do. One of the things that carried me through that time, and I'd be running in the woods, crying out to God, literally crying and shouting. And what gave me confidence was I knew God heard. He listens to our pain. He's not pushed away from us when we're in times of pain or anxiety or worry. He's drawn close to us. And so this is the hope of our God. This holy God is actually drawn to us. He longs to know you. He longs to love you. We see here he listens. And so whatever you're going through in your life, some of you, you've come to New Day this year and you believe that God doesn't care, that God's not listening, that God's not interested, that God is distant. I feel like the Lord would want to say to you, that is not true. He's close. He's closer than your closer friend. He's closer than your family. He is close to you. He listens. He hears our prayers. But it doesn't just end there. He's not just one that listens. I'm really sorry you're going through this. I really hope it improves, you know, kind of blessings and prayers for you. That's not how God works. We see he also rescues us. We see that Jonah's saying, you rescue me out of the pit. He's confident in God. He was floating in the middle of the ocean. Left there, he would die. And what does it say? It said, the Lord appointed a fish. God sent a fish to rescue Jonah. And the good news for us today is God hasn't sent a fish to rescue you and I. You haven't got to go and jump into the sea and God rescue me from all of these things and a big fish comes. No, he's done something even greater. He sent his son. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue you and I from the problems that we find ourselves in. Where's Pete and Sandeep? They've disappeared. There they are. They're coming back. I want to use these guys again just for, to help us understand this. And he also goes on to say, he hasn't just rescued us, but he saves us. And so this is the situation we have. Pete representing you and I, stained before God, unable to come into the presence of God because of all of those things. All of those things in our lives that we know, the thoughts we have, the things we've said, the things we've done, that we know aren't right. No matter how hard we try to change. Some of us, we've come to New Day and we know the way we talk to our parents, we need to change that. And maybe we're trying, and yet we keep slipping back into it. Others of us, we know we're looking at things that we shouldn't be looking at. We're on our phones and we know, I'm not going to look at that stuff today. I'm not going to go that way. And maybe one day goes well and you don't, but day two, you're back to looking at it. There's things in our lives, our lifestyles, our thoughts, our actions, our words. And actually, we know, we try, but we can't change it. We're helpless in this situation. But this is how God has rescued and saved. This is the invitation for you today. And actually, when I finish, I'm going to invite you. If you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to invite you. This is a moment where God wants to remove those stains from you and cleanse you up. Because Jesus on the cross, he took our sin. I'm in the middle. You guys go forward. Jesus, the Bible says, he who knew no sin, the holy, perfect God, took from us all of the stains and the imperfections in our lives and he took them upon himself on the cross. Jesus, when he hung there, when, he was, when the world went dark because Christ was dying on the cross, he was dying for you and for me so that we could be in relationship with God. So that that which we could never deal with, the opportunity to come close to God, we would never be able to do. Jesus took it and he left us clothed in his righteousness. To be a Christian means to be holy, not because you live a good life, but because Jesus died in your place. Jesus took your shame and your sin and your stains upon himself. 
And so we see that we can be those that can confidently come before God. That's the invitation that Jesus has for us. But what is amazing about this story is that Jonah, he's in the belly of the fish for three days, the story tells us. Scriptures tell us three days he's in the belly of the fish. And then he comes out and the prayer, at the end of the prayer, it says that he declares this, salvation belongs to the Lord. And you know what? Jesus Christ spent three days, not in the belly of the fish, but in the tomb. After he'd taken our sin and our shame on the cross, after he'd hung there and he'd died on our behalf, he was buried in a tomb. And after three days, Jesus stepped out, but he was no longer stained. Let me hold your t-shirt for you so you show the world your top. He was no longer stained. Christ came out of the tomb and he had conquered. The story goes, you can clap that, he's a conqueror. (laughs) The story goes, the scriptures tell us that when Jesus left the tomb, he left his grave clothes folded. Jewish tradition is that when when you stay at someone's house, when you leave and you're not coming back, you fold your clothes up or you fold the bed clothes up. The bedsheets up, say, I'm not coming back. Jesus left the grave clothes folded because he's not coming back to the tomb. He's alive and victorious. He has conquered sin and death. And so what that means is that now there is nothing that separates us from the love of God in Christ. We are able to be in the throne room of grace, enjoying the goodness of God. Jesus has made that possible for you and I today. And there's many in this room who you have tasted and seen the goodness of God in your life. You know that Jesus has cleansed you. There's nothing now in Christ that can stain this top because you're clothed in Jesus. You're freed from your sin. It doesn't mean we won't sin, but what it does mean is we'll never be separated from God. And that day when we die or when he returns and we're with him, we don't need to fear that day if we're in Christ because he'll look on us and he'll see his perfection. And his righteousness, because he's clothed us in those things. But there's some of us here today, and we know we've not bowed the knee to Jesus. We know that we've not been those that have accepted the bad news, but also received the good news. And I'll give you an opportunity to do that now. I want to give you an opportunity today. If you know before God that you've never before come to Jesus as your saviour, realising that you're stained, And that the only way that that can be dealt with is through Jesus and in Jesus. And you would like to today. I'm going to invite you to respond. And here's how we're going to do that. I'm going to explain it and then we'll do it. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. If you want to know today. If you want to run to God. That's what we see. Day one, Jonah running from God. Day two, Jonah running to God. If you want to run to God, I'm going to invite you to stand. It's that easy. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jonah prayed a prayer in the belly of the fish and he was freed. He was, he was able to run towards God. Today you can pray a prayer in this room. It's not about the prayer. It's about the Savior who has saved us. And so where we are, if you know that you need to know the cleansing that Jesus brings, you know you're stained before God and you want to know Jesus for the first time in your life as Lord and Saviour. You want to follow him and live for him. I want to invite you to stand up where you are right now. Stand up and accept the grace of God for your life. God bless you. Well done. That's amazing. That's incredible. If you want to know him and his goodness in your life, you stand where you are with confidence. He loves you. He loves you. Just where you are. Well done. I see you guys at the back. 
It's incredible. Don't do it because your friends are doing it. Do it because you're believing Jesus is speaking to you. That you believe you need rescuing from sin and from shame. God bless you guys. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to invite you to head over to the doors over here. If you're in the back, the doors over there. And there's some friends out there that would love to just talk to you and pray with you. And help you on this journey of understanding what it really means to know Jesus as your saviour. So why don't you, just where you are, close your eyes for a second. Jesus, I thank you that you are the God who hears our prayers. You are the God who rescues us from our helpless situation. And you are the God that saves us from our sins. I thank you for every young person that's just stood up, receiving the invitation to know the cleansing that comes in Christ. And Lord, I pray for them. I pray that you would help them to repent of their sin, to recognize their need for a savior, and that you would help them to receive your grace and your love and your mercy in their life from this day and for the rest of their life, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So